Hi, I'm Sydney. And I'm Rueda. We're the new co-hosts for the Daily's News podcast, The Wrap-Up. Join us every Friday where we'll give you a wrap-up of our favorite news stories from the week. Plus fun trivia and exclusive interviews. See you on Friday. Bye. Bye. Peace. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Box Seat Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Friday, February 14th, and we'll be discussing the Tobacco Road rivalry, breaking down the Big East, and the recent notice of allegations given to South Carolina. And we missed the recording session on Monday. I was still licking my wounds after that Carolina-Duke oh, game. Yeah. We're just going to start at the show like we always do with some rapid fire, going over what happened in this week of basketball. So uh, we're, me and Josh are going to be switching roles this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be introing. He's going to be Ryan Point. I'll be, uh, I'll be the second man. That's right. All right. So to start out, Auburn, they remain atop the SEC. They defeated LSU in overtime despite a 30-point effort from Skylar Mays. Yeah, this was a must-win for LSU after falling to Vanderbilt last week, and they had this one in their grasp but just let it slip away. And in the game of the year, Carolina, they let Duke the whole game, but they crumbled at the end to lose a heartbreaker behind two buzzer-beating shots. Just when you thought this Carolina season couldn't get any worse, it got a whole lot worse. Trey Jones' two missed shots were the highlights of this game. Don't look now, but Penn State, they're now ranked 13th and resting easy with a record of 19-5. and They're amidst an eight-game win streak right now and have a case to be the best team in the Big Ten, considering they already beat Maryland a couple months ago. San Diego State, they have still yet to lose a game as they demolished a solid 17-win New Mexico team on Tuesday. These Aztecs have been the only undefeated team for quite some time, but its lack of a signature win leaves uncertainty heading into March. The Big East continues to impress this season as Creighton proves their worth, defeating number 10 Seton Hall 87-82. Not a game Seton Hall needed, but definitely one they wanted. The Big East is a gauntlet this year, and they're going to have to stay focused if they want to win this conference. Louisville dropped a head-scratcher to Georgia Tech on Wednesday. Is this a team that peaked too early in the season? Not a good game for Jordan Noir here, but this isn't as bad of a loss as it looks like. Georgia Tech has been playing some good basketball recently. They've now beat Louisville, Virginia Tech, and NC State in the past couple weeks. Baylor, they continue to hold the top spot in the country. It is a bit ironic that for a season that looked so chaotic to begin with, the top four teams have remained pretty much the same for the past couple of weeks. Kansas had a tough matchup, but they held serve against West Virginia, winning the ESPN Plus poll. The most intriguing facet of this group of four is if San Diego State can jump Gonzaga and snag the one seed in the West bracket. That's going to be highly coveted between those two teams. Yeah, it will be kind of a showdown to see who takes the number one seeds heading into March, heading into that tournament. I agree with you. I think Kansas might might end up dropping out if San Diego State keeps winning games because there's no way that the committee is going to be t- going to be able to take away a one seed from an undefeated team, right? No, no way. Um, especially because they're already in the top four. The committee did this past week. They released their top 16. Or was it last week? I don't remember. But they released their top 16. San Diego State was at number four. So basically, you can't go down if you just keep winning from that point. The Kansas-Baylor, they do play again. That's going to be in, in Waco, Texas. So that's a big one to look for. If yeah. Kansas can go get that win on the road like Baylor did to Kansas a little bit ago, they're going to maybe launch up into the one seed overall. Mm-hmm. But that that three seed or we'll see two seed maybe between Gonzaga and San Diego State is very interesting because the four 
regional rounds. So where you have Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. One of them's in Los Angeles. So and the, the, the other one that's not going to be taken by assuming Baylor or Kansas is going to be in New York. So the hire of Gonzaga and San Diego State is going to get to play, assuming they make it that far, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games in Los Angeles. Oh, as opposed to New York. So mm-hmm. that's a huge difference. And if you're San Diego State and you can get that, it's almost a home game. So unless you're playing like UCLA, I don't think they're going to make it that far. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. That, that's definitely a huge deal. We're going to transition a little bit into some of the biggest games of the week, some of the big news that we have for you guys. Starting out, uh, just getting this over with, ripping the Band-Aid off quickly, the <laughs> UNC-Duke game. This is one of the best games of the year. Went into an overtime. Duke hit, as we mentioned earlier, two buzzer-beating shots. What did you? What were your thoughts watching this game? And you'd probably know mine, but I want to hear yours <laughs> first. So, this is just classic story of Carolina season, right? That's just nothing going right, and just when you think they're going to start picking it back up, like we saw a couple weeks ago, they beat NC State in NC State, and we're thinking, okay, like here we go. Like, what do this team? What does this team need to do to be able to make it into the tournament? It would have been a long shot, but it was possible. And they kind of faltered a little bit. Lost to Florida State. Uh, lost to Boston College as well before that, and now they have Duke coming in. And you got to think, all right, tournament chances are probably done, but as long as we could beat Duke in Chapel Hill, it's still not a complete failure of a season. And right. you were really close. Like, you got about as close as you can get to beating Duke on multiple occasions. Yeah. And uh, But Duke came out on top in this one. That, I think that's the, the thing that we're going to – that the media is going to want you to know is that Duke did win this game behind uh, a pretty incredible – performance by Trey Jones, shouting out his older brother Tyus Stones uh, in, the po- in the press <laughs> post-game co- interview there. So that was, um, yeah, he had a good game, kind of fell off a little bit towards the end, but still mm-hmm. carried his team, willed it to victory. And they didn't even have Vernon Carey in the last last few minutes of yeah. regulation and in overtime because he fouled out, but yeah. still managed a way to find a, find a way to get it done. Yeah, and this is a Carolina team that's lost, I don't know how many straight games in a row. It's probably up to Five or uh, probably four. Probably four. Well, cause, I mean, the NC well, State one wins. wasn't that. Yeah, that's right. They had no, some wins before the Duke game, uh, but they're they've probably lost six out of eight. I mm-hmm. think that's a fair guess to make. Yeah, and you really need to win games like these because win winning reinforces that you're doing something right. And what it, were they doing right? <laughs> they were beating. <laughs> they were beating Duke the whole game, the whole way through. They were playing that game exceptionally well. They were playing up to their potential. Finally, this is one of the the best games that I've seen from this Carolina team besides the last two minutes of the game and and that, that, that end of overtime period. Yeah. You guys, like, out of 45 minutes, you guys were the better team for probably about 40 minutes. That's right. And the <laughs> fact that we ended up losing that game, it kind of takes away from the whole 40 minutes that we were playing good basketball. And it's really tough to come back from losing a game like that at home, especially for how our season has gone. I think that losing that game really just demolished any confidence we had gained during that whole you know period of us taking the lead against Duke a good they're ranked number eight in the country like that's a huge deal for the how bad Carolina's season was going that win would have been so huge I think that could have put us on a path of maybe not necessarily winning but a path of improvement and building up confidence and just losing that game at home is just heartbreaking mm-hmm. complete confidence crusher we went out and lost by 20 to Wake Forest the, the game after that I think I think they played on Wednesday. Hey, you guys lost to Wake Forest. We lost to Wake Forest by twenty on Wednesday. Oh, that's brutal, right? And yeah, so at this point, no confidence. Um, yeah, Cole Anthony is just waiting to get drafted. 
Yeah. Well, this is this is a rebuilding year for North Carolina. We we know this. We know that they're they're building for the future. We'll see if Cole Anthony uh, sticks with the rebuild and uh, decides to come back for a second year. I I think we both doubt that. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see how where his allegiances lie towards the end of the season. Yeah. But uh, I th- I thought one of the the more hilarious parts, and I, I kind of mentioned in the open, was obviously a great comeback by Duke. It was a very exciting game. You mentioned the best game of the season. I, I agree it's right up there. We should actually go through at some point and talk about what the best games of the season were because there's, sure. there's been a lot of really fun yeah. games. Do you want to talk about the end of this game at all? Well, okay, so the end of this game, the obviously the free throw is an intentional miss. Right. But then Trey Jones or yeah, Trey Jones gets the rebound, yeah. hits the shot. I want to say that was one of the most and spectacular things I've ever seen. Yeah, like it was, the way that Trey Jones was able to judge the trajectory of his rebound, mm-hmm. because literally he started running to the three point line before the ball got there, so he he clanged it off the front rim and started running to the perimeter, and the ball just kind of landed in his hands, and he was just at the three point line. It was crazy. I, yeah, I don't think anybody because it's a lot harder to do. He made that look so easy. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of in the Sweet 16 last year, or the Elite Eight, that is, Virginia against Purdue, and that that really fun game where Ty, Ty Jerome goes up to the line against Purdue. They're down two, or they're down three, and he gets two shots, makes the first one, intentionally misses the second one, passes it or taps it back to uh, to Kihei Clark, who passes it to Diakite at the buzzer, yeah. two pointer, ties the game. They win in overtime. Mm-hmm. This was. I mean, the the whole play itself I thought was more impressive for the Virginia one, but the actual rebound and the precision of the yeah. the shot on the rim was like, that was pretty crazy. And then like, he made the shot. It yeah. was like a contested double clutch jumper. Yeah, that's just like... I will say Trey Jones... It's like Murphy's Law for North Carolina. Like, <laughs> it was the absolute worst thing. Yeah, anything that can go wrong will. And then you, ha- you had them in overtime we also. Did. They had We had Vernon Carey fouled out too. Mm-hmm. But just could not close the door. Trey Jones, I will say, yeah, he is. Yeah, this is Cole Anthony could not could not guard him down the stretch. He was taking him to the hoop every every possession he got. Yeah, Cole Anthony also was not great. Uh, He 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 put up numbers, but towards the end, man, he had so many bad shots. He was just trying to play hero ball towards the end, and he was. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's tough. It's tough to deal with this team because he is the only guy that can really create a shot for himself. So. When he makes it, you think, oh, that's a good shot. But when he misses, you, you think, oh, he might be ball hogging. So it's kind of just a double standard. Mm-hmm. He's got to pick and choose when he shoots. Um, this we, game, we don't need to talk about yeah, Carolina. The game was awesome. We didn't even mention the uniforms, how bad they were. Yeah. That's how good the game was. It kind of overshadowed. I hope they don't bring him back for the rematch in Durham. I don't think they will. Hopefully not. I don't think it went over too well. All right, move on now to the uh, – Please, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> the Band-Aid has been ripped off. That was really quick. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that's that's probably the last I'm going to mention Carolina this year, barring any crazy well, comebacks, pr- crazy opportunities. We've I'm said that it, about Washington I'm about it right five now. times in the past yeah. two months. And we haven't mentioned them <laughs> well, this episode until just, you brought it up just yeah. now. I, I will say this is the last I'm going to talk about Carolina. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. You can hold me to it. Yeah? Any, any final words? or No. All right. I, I, I said my piece. Um, all right, moving on now. <laughs> the biggies. All right, this is a conference that's good, unlike the ACC. Well, ACC is all right at the top, but ACC is good at the top. Yeah, Duke, top three: Duke, Louisville, and Florida State. That's it. Four, four. Virginia is like gonna make the tournament, but they're maybe win a game. But, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Biggies though. Five team this week in this most recent poll. Five teams in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. You got at the top. You got Seton Hall. They were no. Well, they're number ten currently. They're gonna drop a little bit because they did drop a game to Creighton. Just this past week, I think that was on Wednesday. 
You got Villanova at 15, Marquette at 18, Butler at 19, and then rounding out the five is Creighton at 23. So not a terrible loss for Seton Hall against a ranked team, a Creighton team that's been playing pretty well as of late, really high-powered offensive team. For me personally in that game, I still think Seton Hall is the best team in the Big East. I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. They just had a really rough night shooting the ball, and it's it's not even something like Creighton did well because Creighton's one of the worst. They're, they're not a terrible defensive team, but they're not a particularly stout defensive team. So I think that was just a rough shooting night for Seton Hall. They do get their rematch in St. Louis, so maybe they can even that series there. But still got a two-game lead on the one seed in the, in the Big East. Is there any threat you see? of those other four teams or maybe even deeper down the conference mm-hmm. that has a chance to kind of dethrone the, the Pirates there. Well, one team that I've kind of been keeping an eye on and I, I've really been liking the way that they've been playing lately is Villanova. Uh, I think I think they have this guard. Do you know their point guard's name? Do you remember? Colin him? Gillespie. Gillespie, yeah. he's the one. He, he really leads that offense. He's kind of the floor general that UW wishes they had. And <laughs> yeah. I think that Villanova is a team that's dangerous. They are 11-2 and two at home, so they know how to protect their home court. I'm not really sure whether they play Seton Hall again this season. Um, they do. It is on um, March 4th. Okay, that'll be a matchup I'm definitely going to tune into because Seton Hall has looked weak, like you said, losing to Creighton. They have looked weak at times. I think that if they're firing all, on all cylinders, they're, they're the class of the conference, though. Yeah, definitely. This Villanova team, I think it's funny you mentioned them because they have lost three of their last four. Uh, but they did just beat Marquette this past week, which was a big win for them to kind of. It was really, I mean, it was only one point win over them, but they did lose to Creighton and then at Butler and then home against Seton Hall. So three losses in a yeah. row for them. The Butler one obviously was kind of a crazy game. The Kamar Baldwin shot, uh, they they yeah. almost had that one. That's the thing is that they're in all of these games. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're not getting blown out by anybody. And they still have that championship pedigree. I mean, maybe not as much the guys on the team. Like, Gillespie's probably the only real guy that's been on yeah. a contributor on those teams. And again, at this point in the season, I'm okay with a couple losses because that's going to kind of mold you for March. you got to learn how to lose. Right. Cause San Diego State, man, they're they're screwed. Like, if they don't know how to lose. I, I actually <laughs> agree with you because if they don't lose until March, they're going to the, – the pressure – of an undefeated season, I think, Amounts. really is going to affect yeah. you in March if you're in a close game. That is going to, you know, shots are going to start falling short. Turnovers are going to start happening. Mistakes are going to start being made if you're feeling that pressure. Yeah. The Big East, uh, Big East update brought to you by San Diego State. <laughs> but yeah, another team that I think has been playing really well recently is Marquette. Obviously, Marcus Howard is, is the man there, and he's been putting up ridiculous numbers. He is in the conversation for National Player of the Year. Sounds like it's probably going to be between him, Miles Powell, Obi Toppin, maybe a guy like Peyton Pritchard can get in there if Oregon finishes out the se- season strong. Yeah. But uh, I was Luca Garza. They're, they've been kind of tapering a little bit, but Garza has still been strong. So yeah. I think Marquette, despite losing this last one to Villanova, they've been playing really good basketball, mm. and Marcus Howard is maybe the best player in the country. So they're, they're a team to watch as well. And looking at the Xavier team in the Big East, they're, they're, they have a record of 5-7 and seven in the conference, which isn't good, but their overall record is somehow 16-9. and nine. Yeah. Do you think that they might have a shot at making the tournament? I'm not sure how how much the committee takes into account the conference record, and being under 500 is kind of weak, but their overall record is 16-9. and nine. Do you think that that's going to amount to anything? Yeah, I think they're going to be the last team of the Big East that's going to make it into the tournament. I do, Even though Providence is a game ahead of them in the Big East, Providence had... We're, they're so feast or famine, and I don't think the committee's going to really value 
all the value them that highly considering how many bad losses they've had on the record. So I think Xavier jumps Providence because they had a strong non-conference, and we know the Big East is really good. It's yeah. kind of like the Big Ten where, like, yes, your conference record does matter, but at the same time, they understand that it's a really difficult conference and it's difficult to get wins that they might give you the benefit of the doubt as opposed to, like, 5-7 and seven in the Big East is going to be better than 5-7 and seven in the Pac-12. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm just looking at this, this DePaul team sitting at Dude, the yeah. very bottom of the conference. I feel I feel for DePaul, man, because they were rolling at one point they were. earlier in the season. They they were, were, I was pulling for them. They now have a 1-10 record in the conference. Yeah, what they're, happened? They're, they're, they're struggling. It's falling apart over there. Yeah, well, Jay Wright did say that any of the te- top 10 teams, or all 10 teams in the Big East, can win the national title this year. So DePaul still got a chance. Got to look out for them. They could make a late run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jay Wright never lies. He, he, was one, he won two two national championships in three years. Like, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach. He <laughs> knows how that. to win the media. I'll give him that. Yeah, Marquette, just real quick on this, but before that loss to Villanova, they had they had won six for the last seven, kind of rolling through this big East slate. So, eh, doing pretty good. I think uh, kind of taking a bigger picture, look, I think the Big East is going to be the best conference in March. I agree with that. I think they're not, they might not get the most teams. I think the Big Ten will get the most teams in the tournament. But... In terms of teams making deep runs, I think the bees could, the top, you know, the top three, four teams could be elite eight contenders. Oh, definitely, yeah. Which is which is big for the B, Big East because they're a conference that has been kind of on the downslide the past couple of years. Oh yeah, I mean Seton Hall, I'm I'm expecting is going to be an elite eight team this year. Mm-hmm. Villanova has the has a chance to be there. Butler has shown to be at times one of the top ten teams in the country. Yeah. Creighton's been coming on, Marquette's been coming on. Hopefully. Any of those five teams, yeah. I think, have a if they are playing well at the right time, could make it into the Elite Eight. Definitely. Are right, you want to move on now to the uh, the yeah. powerhouse, South Carolina? Let's keep it rolling. The power. <laughs> so uh, you want to kick us off on this one? So recent uh, yeah, sure. NCAA allegations, notice mm-hmm. of allegations handed out to South Carolina. Yep. So just some background for you guys. The news out of South Carolina, the basketball program. They did just receive a level one notice of allegations from the NCAA, which, if you guys don't know, that's the worst possible mm-hmm. uh, notice that it's you like, can get stricken with. It's like uh, golf. You want you don't want low. Wait, never mind. You Keep want going. you want low scores in golf. Not I'm golf not sure guy. where you're going with that. Yeah. Anyways, this is in regards to former assistant coach Lamont Evans. He was actually arrested in 2017. Mm. He admitted to accepting twenty two thousand dollars in bribes while at South Carolina coaching, and I think he was at Oklahoma State coaching. Uh, yes, that was correct. Um, and all these bribes were surrounding former uh, combo guard P.J. Dozier. If mm-hmm. you remember him, he played at South Carolina a couple years ago. Not really sure what he's up to now. Maybe yeah, he helped him with G that League. Final Four run he that did. they had. He did. Maybe ago. he's playing in the G League. Maybe he's playing overseas. Who knows? Yeah. But what's tough is that in the, in the NOAA, there's nothing about Frank Martin or any malpractice shown by the staff at the time. Besides Lamont Evans, who was clearly hadn't like the staff clearly had no idea what was going on, but Lamont Evans did. He was I think that what it was is he was trying to push PJ Dozier to some some agency, working with some agent. So yeah, it was Christian my, Dawkins was the guy. Yeah, so that was the agent, and in my opinion, the NCAA to file a level one notice uh, is definitely worrying because it feels as though South Carolina to me got the short end of the stick with you know Kansas and such such overt uh such overt you know practices going on around the whole country <laughs> for for South Carolina be, to be hit with the strictest notice is seems kind of like they're 
the NCAA might be ganging up on a, a team that's not a blue blood, a team mm. that is kind of open to open to be attacked almost. Yeah. Yeah, I don't to, know. It just seemed it just seemed intense to yeah, me. Yeah, one, one quick thought on that: the the smart or the not powerhouse versus the blue blood, Jerry Tarkanian, a uh, great college basketball mind, great college basketball coach, in the past uh, quoted that the 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 original quote was that the NCAA was so mad at Kentucky that they're gonna punish Cleveland State or something like that because they <laughs> never go after the blue bloods. It's, so it's real. The the flip side of this one is. NCAA is so mad at North Carolina they gave South Carolina <laughs> notice of allegations. Yeah, the fake classes, <laughs> the, the yeah. recruiting scandal. Yeah, but uh, okay, you you say the coaches didn't know, which in the report in the report the coaches yes. didn't know. Lamont Evans is what we call a fall guy here. He's an assistant that uh, yes, the coaches didn't know about him, but the coaches, I mean, they know this stuff's going on. This stuff's going on, and I'm not gonna say every high major uh, program, but I would say a lot of high major programs. There's some shady stuff going on with the shoe deals and paying players and kind of influencing them to come to your school. And this Lamont Evans guy is clearly a guy that's been dabbling in this stuff before, and he was guilty and pled guilty in the Oklahoma State case, and then was also comes to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I would assume Frank Martin knows that something like that's going on if he <laughs> already said he did something. And yeah, then but comes it, to your program. <laughs> if he did accept $22,000 in bribes and he did admit to that, then even if he is the fall guy, should Frank Martin be getting in trouble for that? Should should South Carolina be getting in trouble for that if the fall guy did his job? I, I'm not arguing that they should get in trouble because I don't think anyone should get in trouble for this kind of stuff. Cause I really? Think, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, all, the way I That's see kind of it a hot is take, it's, or, it's such a corrupt game already that – why not just let everyone do it? Let's just run free. Because the NCAA is not going to be able to stop everyone. They've shown that in the well, past years. That's a whole other can of worms because then we're talking about maybe paying players instead of the whole, you know, instead of the whole bribery that's, that's, thing. That's, why not just make it legal? It's like it's like dr- like with drugs. Why not just legalize drugs <laughs> if people are selling it on the black yeah, market? That's how you – yeah. You'll why not never... <laughs> just legalize bribery in this case? It's That's what paying the players is. It's and legalized that, that's, bribery. That's my take on the whole paying the players and everyone gets up in arms about it is – Yes, but it, it sh- there should be a way that players should be getting able to profit off of what they're doing. And my answer is yes, they already are, and the, these high-profile guys. And if a guy like P.J. Dozier, who's a nice player, I like P.J. He was really good on that South Carolina team, but he's not Zion Williamson. He's not Cole Anthony. No. He's not James Wiseman. If you think a guy like P.J. Dozier is getting paid money and Cole Anthony is not or Zion Williamson is not, mm-hmm. like – if, okay, so say South Carolina is the only school that's paying players. Everyone would go there. Yeah. So I would say maybe other schools are as well because that's why they're going to those schools. And, again, I'm not saying all schools do this because clearly there are programs that want to do it the right way, yeah. and I respect and commend them for that. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is that I would venture to say most of high major uh, high major programs are in some way yeah. – finding ways that are shady, getting players to come to their school. And that's just the name of the game. That's how college basketball works in 2020. That's how it's been working for years now. Mm-hmm. And, again, they've been trying to cut down on this stuff. They haven't done it. And so this is now the 12th team, count them with me, 1 through 12, that has received any sort of investigation, dose of allegations, either from the FBI or NCAA. Yeah. We haven't seen any actual punishments. The only punishment no. we've, we've seen 
was years ago, and that was the Louisville one, mm-hmm. and that was it's a whole can of worms, and that yeah. one with Rick Pitino. But besides that, there hasn't been anything recently, mm-hmm. and I think it's all just kind of talk at this point. And until I start seeing tangible punishments handed out, I'm not going to be too worried for these programs. Yeah, it is fun to talk about, though. It is fun. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I kind of want to get into the details a little more because it, it's kind of hilarious. Go for um, it. What do you got? <laughs> so this was this was my favorite part. So I read the Sports Illustrated article on it, but so they're going back to like the the breadcrumbs, the trail of breadcrumbs that led to uh, a guy like Lamont Evans being caught for this, but. So Yahoo Sports reported in February 2018, this is a quote, by the way, that an ASM sports document, that's the agency, listed a payment of $6,115 to, quote, PJ Dozier on its December 31st, 2015 balance sheet. So they named it PJ Dozier. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so then Doc, Christian Dawkins, who's the agent, and he was the heart of the FBI's corruption probe, also filed an ASM sports expense report listing three different ATM withdrawals on January 19, 2016 that were labeled PJ Dozier Advance for a total of $1,500. So, like, they're, they're just, like, they're not even hiding it at this yeah. point. Like, it's on their balance sheet. And their ATM withdrawals, they don't even try and cover it up. They don't even say, like, like beer money or, like, food money or anything like that. It's just straight... PJ Dozier Advance is the title of what the ATM withdrawal was. I think it definitely (laughs) points to what you're talking about, where so many schools are doing this. This isn't a secret in college basketball. The fact that players are getting paid, players are getting forced to go to, not forced, but coerced into going to certain agencies, certain coaching staff, certain schools. I don't know. It's just, it's so fun to to dive into because it is so obvious, and the NCAA is kind of, you know, at this point, like filing allegations. Does, is this really going to amount to anything? No. And as far as, like, the the labeling of your expenses, think about it this way. So you're in college. You're 20 years old. You need to be 21 to buy alcohol. You have a friend that's 21. He buys you a six-pack of beer for $12, and he gives it to you. I would never do this because I didn't drink till I was 21. We both, we're both we both 21 now, so we could talk about this. Uh, we only drink when we're 21 because that's legal. But that's right. your buddy, in, in this hypothetical scenario, mm-hmm. he gives you a six-pack and ask you to Venmo him to, to offset the cost that yep. he had to spend. Would you say beer well, if that if there was someone like the FBI breathing down your neck? Or would you say, I don't know, pizza? I, don't, I like pizza. So what they're doing, their, their kind of <laughs> practice here, their strategy is the beer strategy. Yeah. They're just going to say beer. They labeled it PJ Dozier Advance, which is like, like that's just yeah. – can you be tried for stupidity? Because that is yeah. the definition of stupidity. I, I, I think in, in that regard, they kind of deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> Hearing all that information, I mean, they kind of got what was coming to them. Yeah. And again, until there's real punishments, it's fun to laugh about. It's fun to talk about. I don't think there's going to be that. I, I'm not too concerned about this really affecting the college basketball landscape. Yeah. I like Frank Martin. Uh, he's one of the more entertaining coaches in college basketball. He can get fired up at times. and So I believe that the Gamecocks will bounce back. Uh, say it with me, the South will rise again. Uh, South Carolina, they will be back in the Final Four in the next uh, 30 years. I'm calling it right now. Okay. Okay. 30 years. <laughs> and don't that, fact check me time. on that. Yeah, don't, don't ever. So 2050, that's, yeah. If they're not in yet, that's that's your year. That's your window. My, my lingering question about this is how do you think this is going to affect the whole movement behind paying the players? Because this is something that, 
is kind of much more active during the off season, like during college basketball season. Paying the players isn't really a highly yeah. highly debated topic, but when no games are going on, that's what people like to talk about. And the the movement obviously has some momentum. Do you think that paying the players will decrease or kind of stop people from this whole paying players to go to their school rather than paying the players while they're at their school? You know what I mean? Like I if players are actually competing every day, they're getting paid. But nowadays people the players are playing every day, but they're they're not getting paid to play, they're getting paid to actually come to the school. Mm-hmm. Do you think that shift is going to happen if we end up do, paying the players or do you think that the players will get paid while they're playing, but they're also going to get paid to go to the school? Um I think it's hard to I, I don't think a case Just take a guess. Yeah, I would I think in the future we're never going to see players getting paid to play basketball. I think in the future, I think the name, image, and likeness uh, bill that's been kind of in the news the last last six months or so, I think that's a very real chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's something to that would actually be a very significant win for student athletes, considering how stubborn the NCAA is. Yeah, I would like to see them get more. And the reality is of it is all these high profile college, particularly uh, men's college basketball and football players are the ones that are reaping the benefits and these are the sports that people watch the most but there are so many other student athletes that aren't I don't think are getting uh, any money slid under the table for them countless other colleges and I think those are the kind of people that are going to be affected most by this kind of stuff because I don't think the I think I think changes will from the NCAA will affect the landscape of college athletics and not just men's college basketball and mm-hmm. men, and football. Yeah, one other interesting thought, um, just closing this out, mm-hmm. is that the the NCAA, they they have this, you know, they're, they're filing allegations, but at the same time, you don't see anything happening. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe nothing's happening because they know that this name, image, likeness bill, it's got some momentum behind it? Do you think that these are going to dissipate if that end up if that ends up becoming, you know, I don't legal? think so because it's still old news. I mean, you're still getting tried for the same crime, and it's not like it's not like this is name image likeness. This is straight paying players to come to your school. At the same time, I don't think anything's going to amount to this because the preponderance of evidence you need for something like this is probably so hard to find, and I don't think the NCAA is capable of that, to be completely honest. And I also think there's while there is incentive to clean up the game, I also think there's incentive to kind of turn the other cheek and just kind of let it happen because you're at the end of the day, if you're giving these big time programs bans or suspensions, it's just going to hurt your product. And the NCAA does not want to do that. Oh, I love it. Preponderance of evidence. You're using yeah. big words today, Josh. Hey, you're on your A game. Let me know if uh, we got any uh, business management, business law students out there. Shout me out. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, guys. I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. All right, we got a new little game here I'm going to be uh, doing with Caden, and I haven't really planned out too much, but it's an idea of... Uh, Ken Palm, and uh, so no, no looking at oh, Ken God. Palm. I know you probably have it tabbed on somewhere in your. <laughs> I in haven't your search looked history. at Ken Palm all year, so this should be interesting. I I just 
I'll, I'm going to ask you two teams, and I want you to tell me which team is ranked higher on Ken oh, Palm, God. which is uh, a combination of adjusted offense, defense. If you don't know Ken Palm at this point, uh, you're probably not going to follow well throughout most of our podcast because we mentioned it quite a bit. But all right, so I'm going to give you two teams. I want you to tell me which of these teams is higher. <sighs> all right, I got to scoot in for this one. All right, Florida State or Ohio State? See, I don't know if these are trick questions or not, but I have to go Florida State. <laughs> a lot of these are probably going to be trick questions. Great. But Florida Great. State is ranked 20th, and Ohio State is 12th Great. on Campbell. Yeah, Ohio yeah. State I, I see what you're doing here. is 12th. Okay. All right. What's next? <laughs> West Virginia or Seton Hall? Mm. See, my thought process here is West Virginia plays really good defense, so I'm going to go with West Virginia. Yeah, correct. One for two. West Virginia is seventh. Yeah. Seton Hall is 13th. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. Illinois mm-hmm. or BYU? Mm. Let's see. Mm. See, BYU is not a great team this year. BYU is not ranked. BYU is, you know, not even at the top of their the conference. WCC with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. That's right. But they usually are pretty good offensively and defensively like they're pretty efficient wait what was the other team that you said illinois illinois nah he's ranked on top i'm going going byu i'm going byu (laughs) just just by how staggered this has been go byu yeah i mean it was a trick question you know byu is 16th in kempom a team that's not ranked hasn't been ranked all season byu is 16th in kempom illinois is 29 okay here's a purdue Mm -hmm. or villanova Hmm. Villanova's really good. Villanova's a good offensive team. Uh, they're also, I mean, they're, they're, they play good defense too. I think you might be trying to not trick me with this one. I think that the past ones have been trick questions, but I think this one you might be, you know, playing mind games. So I'm going to go with the better team, Villanova. Villanova is ranked 28th on Kempom. Purdue is 18. <laughs> this is, I mean, the thing is just, I mean, I don't really have much more. We could do this all day. But there are yeah, some you can, teams you can that make are... me look stupid all day. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Wait till I next can... week. I'll have something prepared for you. Okay, I'm down. But it, it's just funny to me. Like, I mean, like the top six are pretty like standard. Like even the top ten. Mm-hmm. The only real surprise in the top ten is Michigan State being number nine, yeah. which their preseason ranking was so high. I think that's still kind of keeping them afloat. Yeah. And I mean, Ken Palm goes based off of offensive and defensive efficiency, yeah. right? So it's just, it's not necessarily how good. It, I, how good the team is obviously yeah i mean or who or who you've beaten it's just how how efficient you are on both how ends. good are you based on numbers <laughs> yeah pretty much but like ohio state and like is 12 and they've been so bad lately yeah. i mean they're they're coming on a little bit now but they had a really tough stretch byu 16 they haven't been ranked uh texas tech who's been like kind of up and down all season mm-hmm. i i've been on the chris beard train i still love texas tech mm-hmm. but he has them 14 I think that's crazy. Like that's really high. Florida State, who's a team that's been in the top ten most years, number twenty. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's crazy. And Villanova down at twenty eight, Oregon at twenty six. And then yeah, I don't know. Auburn's thirty one. Mm. Thirty is Minnesota. <laughs> so yeah, it's just weird to me. I don't know. It's fun to look at Ken Palm. That's how that's how you know your brackets go to if it matches with Ken Palm because he usually knows what he's talking about. I wanna get into some odds and ends. Yeah. I don't know if you have much here, but we'll kind of you can kind of give some chime in with some little commentary. Sure. But 
Uh, we actually know the Final Four this year, which is exciting because Seth Davis, noted college basketball, very well-respected college basketball analyst, uh, gave it to us on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted this on Tuesday. This was a tweet. Your final, your 2020 Final Four will be Kansas, Gonzaga, Maryland, Seton Hall. Hmm. So, I mean, take without hmm. what you will. Maryland, I'm a little shaky on, but they have been playing good basketball. But so that's, I mean, we know this now, so we don't have to watch until April we, until those final four teams do face off. Uh, what is interesting about this is he already knows what bracket. They're all going to be in different brackets also. So calling your shot on your final four is pretty pretty bold right now considering the bracket hasn't even like come it. out. But, I mean, there's a world where Kansas, Maryland, and Seton oh, Hall yeah. are all in the same bracket. So I, would, I don't know how that would work, how would they would get all three in the final four, but I'd still trust Seth Davis. I think he's, he knows what he's talking about. I like it. I think it's good. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm playing. But I can see all obviously, those teams th- Those are all four good teams. I've been playing good basketball lately. But uh, who's your final four right now then? Oof. Since we know the bracket, we know. <laughs> My final four. Okay, don't take this word as gospel. Definitely don't do that. But because I'm just coming up with this on the spot, I think, I think it's gonna be Gonzaga, on one end. I think they're playing really good basketball. Um, I think one team from the Big East will be in the Final Four, mm. whether it's Seton Hall, whether it's Villanova, whether it's Creighton, um, any of those teams. So we got Gonzaga, one of those teams, and then who else is up there right now? Auburn. I got to go with my Auburn yeah, Tigers. Of course. Bruce Pearl and the boys. And, and Cole Anthony and the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's right. Win the ACC tournament yeah. going on a run. <laughs> no ACC teams will be in the Final Four this year, I don't think. Um Who's that final team? I I, I want to say a Big Ten team. There I, I want to see one team from the Big Ten make it far. But again, it's I, I don't know who, who who's that fourth <laughs> team that you would think of. Yeah, so I mean, I like your process of casting the big nets. You just go with the conferences. Yeah. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say one one Big Ten team, one Big East team, mm-hmm. one Big Twelve team. And then one at large team. That's actually, my fourth pick. My my fourth pick is Dayton. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I've been watching Dayton lately. Yeah, uh, they're Obi awesome. Toppin, their guards are ridiculous. Jalen Crutcher, Jalen Crutcher, Landers, Landers, Trey Landers, Chapman. Yeah, I like those, I like Mike Sell also, and obviously Obi Toppin. Yeah, all basically their whole starting lineup are studs. Yeah, no, they they ball. Yeah, my final four is I'm gonna go with Kansas, Dayton. Yeah, they said Seton Hall, Basically and. I want to say te- I know it's dumb to say Texas Tech, but mm-hmm. until the clo- you, you've been and, on that train for a while. Until the clock strikes midnight on Chris Beard, I believe in him. <laughs> I believe in that gospel he's preaching. He's definitely and, preaching. And they've been playing good basketball lately. I think they're I, they're a team that's. I I mean I don't I think it's a little bold to go Final Four with them. Hey, that's but what, that's I what think, it's all about though. There's I think Elite one of those Eight. Teams. They're they might not be a high seed, but they're gonna upset a team, and it's. Mm. I'm gonna see it coming, and no one else is gonna see it coming. And I just okay. want—I just want to call my shot right now. Call it. I'm still calling my shot that I've been preaching this for a while now, but Kansas is gonna win this year. Hmm. That's what I'm going with. I, I'm still riding strong on that train. They've I, been I, the best defensive team. I just—I just disagree so much with that. I think that Azubuke is a beast down low, and Devin Dodson is also really good at point guard. But besides that, I don't see anything else that would make me think. Bill Self will figure it out. <laughs> don't worry. They're the best team in the nation. They're the 
they've been the Vegas favorites for a while now. But I, I, I called this. You could check the receipts. I called yeah. this a couple months ago. Yeah. I can't I'm riding, wait to see them I'm get riding blown them. out in the tournament. It could happen as well. But <laughs> they haven't had a bad loss all season. That's why I like about them. Okay. I think their only losses have been the first game of the season against Duke, which, I mean, kind of throw that one out because the first game is always weird. Yeah. And they lose at Villanova, which is a tough one. And the only, like, quote-unquote bad loss they've had was home against Baylor only because they were home for that one. Mm-hmm. But Baylor's the number one team in the nation, so I still think they're they haven't had a bad loss yet. All right, next one, uh, next little thing we're going to here. Uh, so Bill Walton and Dave Pash were on the call for last night's game for Oregon Colorado, big game in the Pac-12. But uh, we had Mark Jackson there as well. I don't know if you were able to catch this game at all, but no, ESPN was doing their little crossover where they yeah. send NBA college guys back and forth, and so they had Mark Jackson in between those two. Uh, just TV gold. Did I any mean, good moments come out of it? Oh, of course. But my my favorite one was, uh, so it was after halftime, Colorado comes out, they actually make their first basket. I mean, whatever. But Bill Walton says, uh, those Buffaloes must have gotten some good grass at the break. And we know Bill Walton. Uh, we know he's dabbled <laughs> a little bit, and so that was a little something to hang on a little was bit. He w- was he wearing a psychedelic T-shirt? Like he, he was not. Does? He was not, unfortunately. He was in Eugene also. He usually yeah. brings it out for those ones, but... Maybe he's toning down more for Mark so, Jackson. More so Colorado. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. That was Mushrooms just got legalized <laughs> in Colorado a couple yeah. months ago. Shout out Colorado. Shout out to them. Another quick little note. Virginia beat Notre Dame. Not very noticeable, but there's less than 100 points scored in this game. It's just the Virginia basketball way, just slowing down the pace. Keep doing their thing. They won 50 to 49. It's just so, a high-powered offense. They're so boring. <laughs> if you guys want to save two hours of your life, just don't watch a Virginia basketball game because <laughs> it is going to be a complete waste yeah. of your time until maybe the last five minutes yeah. when it's close. When when there's like, inevitably it will be a close game no matter what. <laughs> yeah, because there's only 40 points scored between each team. Exactly, and they take 35 seconds every single possession. They it's, take 35, even though it's been yeah, <laughs> chopped they get, down. To, they get the offense. They get the extra five. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, also, John Rothstein, uh noted favorite of the show. Caden, Caden's a big John Rothstein guy. But he actually debuted a new show this past week called Stuffed. The why, show why that. Why are you promoting John Rothstein's show? I just got to shout out John Rothstein. I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the fans of our pod have never heard of John Rothstein there. Probably not. <laughs> but he debuted a new show called Stuffed, and this is about the world of college basketball okay. as well as food. He's a big food guy. So he's actually eating and ordering food in the middle of these interviews. He actually had your guy Bruce Pearl on to talk a little Auburn basketball and uh, just great stuff there. He had Peyton Pritchard on, also a favorite of the show. And uh, he was talking about Peyton Pritchard actually really loved rom-coms. So there's a little factoid for you there, maybe a trivia night. But the my favorite part of this whole show is he had this new segment, or I guess whatever segment, and it involved his Rothsteinisms, which are the little tweets he does for each team, and how some teams don't have them. Well, most teams don't have them. He only has it for, I don't know, a few dozen. But you, you know about these, right? I mean, he also has the classics, like We Sleep in May, This is March. But he's got uh, like Villanova, a Fortune 500 company. His Virginia basketball, a thing of beauty. He does these after each game, each I team think I've wins. I have seen that, actually. Yeah, so it kind of comes up. Uh, Chris Beard, fully loaded. I mean... Auburn basketball, welcome to the jungle, all these things. So he's he's got one for a lot of them, but he, he gave the power to the fans to try and come up with new Rossianisms, new little sayings that he could do and for these teams that don't have them. Yeah. And it's just these guys that are just, like, vlogging 
them trying to like work through these rostinisms that they have for their favorite basketball mm-hmm. teams. And these guys are just, they're not the sharpest tools in this shed. Mm, I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah, this is, I mean, even if you don't like John Rothstein, I was, like, crying laughing on my computer screen. Because, so the sec- the first one was a guy talking about, like, Carolina basketball. So that you might like that one. But he was uh, talking about how they're good I'm on the like boards. And, they're, and it was, like, it wasn't very good. He kind of worked his way through it. Just the like second The second guy, however, was talking about Alabama b- basketball and their storied history. We know Alabama basketball is the biggest sport in Tuscaloosa. And he was saying that he, he was trying to work through something, but he was outside walking. He had the camera at his waist just looking up at him. And he was a bigger guy, and he was just huffing and puffing trying to work through it. And it was about like a two-minute clip of him trying to work out this really mediocre – I don't even remember what it was – but it was just the, like one of the cringiest things I've seen, and it was definitely must-watch television. He's on YouTube, uh, the Rothstein show, so you could check that out. It was uh, it was towards like the three-quarter mark of the show, so if you want to check that out, I definitely recommend uh, giving that a look. Yeah, check that out, people, if you want. That's the last really of good the, college basketball that's content. The, last of the plugging for Rothstein <laughs> for today. What we'll we'll have got? a Rothstein uh, update every week from now on. You'll have enough to do Rothstein update. I'm, what, what do we got next, Josh? All right, <laughs> I was just gonna go to games to watch, but okay. unless you got anything else. Nah. Uh, so we got Purdue at Ohio State. That one's at 9 a.m. Hmm. Uh, I, I won't be watching that. Yeah, 9 a.m. is kind of early. As they say. Uh, West Virginia at Baylor. That's probably the one mm. good game, the best game. Uh, Illinois at Rutgers, 1:30. No, probably not. Um, Maryland at Michigan State. I'm actually interested about this one. Yeah, yeah uh, that's a good game. Michigan State's just beat Illinois in Champaign, so they're kind of rolling right now. That game's at three. Uh, Sunday, San Diego State at Boise State. I don't think San Diego State's going to lose this one, but I think all their games at this point are are worth tuning into just to see if they can run the table. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of all I got for today, unless you got anything. Uh, not really. I don't. I don't think Dayton plays this weekend, so that's yeah, kind if they of a do, bummer. it doesn't matter because they're. Oh wait, they do. They play tomorrow at nine thirty. They but play, they play UMass, so mm. not really a great one there. Yeah, they're in the A ten. And cool. then Florida State possible trap game against Syracuse tomorrow at nine. Yeah, possibly. Um, Penn State looks to continue that win streak against Northwestern. <laughs> should another be, should be a doozy. Yeah, another <laughs> nine a.m. game. So. What's oh. up with these early college basketball games, man? Is that what, East Coast? I cannot be expected to wake up for these. But <laughs> anyways, uh, that's about all I have for today, Josh. You have that's anything all else? I got. All right. Well, it looks like we are finito with this episode. I'm Caden Condor. I'm Josh Eddy. And this has been the Box Seat Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, DM us on Twitter at the Box Seat Podcast, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you next time.